0: Welcome to game. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of T Series.
1: Now, firmly on top of the of the pile. We are the top ranking channel ever.
0: Whoa, but we're getting into trouble today.
1: Oh my gosh, I know. We do have some tea to there's, spill about tea. There's series. We're on T-Series talking about T-Series on whom we are spilling the tea.
0: Yeah, there's, I mean, we're finding ourselves in hot water, steep in <laughs> hot water, because it's T-Series. No, uh, our our rival for the title, T-Series, uh, is it's finding close. itself in a little bit of trouble, or at least in a little bit of controversy today, but more on that later. We'll Welcome, everyone. It's Tuesday. How are you doing, Steph?
1: It's T's Day. That should tell you just, how I'm doing. It just gets I'm worse feeling, and worse. I'm feeling so punny today. Um, I'm I'm doing really well. I've gone a dangerous route when it comes to the tea that I'm sipping. S-
0: Stephanie's today. living on the edge. I am. Today.
1: I'm living on the edge. Do you know why? I I don't. Because I picked nightly calm tea. It's basically sleepy time tea that I picked for today's episode. Wow. And so I'm I'm gonna be combating the urge to like. Go take a little nappy nap during the stream. I feel
0: like even before we started today's live stream, you were combating that urge.
1: (laughs) So the
0: tea probably is the least of your concerns.
1: That's actually true.
0: I feel like your choice of tea might actually be more indicative of your state of mind rather than the tea causing you to fall asleep.
1: Today I have an herbal chamomile. We're going caffeine-free today. Like I said, living on the edge. Um, I did have some of Matthew's uh, diet caffeinated beverage earlier today, though, so I think that'll carry me through.
0: Hopefully, there's a there's a guy at the local McDonald's. Uh, you'll see. I'm, I've traded in my generic blue glass cup today with for a large. Uh, it's not even car, paper. Pa- my my paper McDonald's vessel. Yeah, there we go. Carrying my diet soda beverage x, uh, available at McDonald's wherever McDonald's maybe, <laughs> uh, wherever McDonald's are sold, uh, but but there's a guy who at this point recognizes me, first off, he, he just he knew should. me. he should,
1: we are there like 12 times a day. Yeah,
0: he, he just, know, like, he's like, the first time I saw him, he's like, oh my gosh, you're mad, bad. I'm like, yes, may I have diet, so can I have a, the best, your finest diet soda beverage X, and he, he's like, oh, so that's real, I'm like, yes. Oh, yeah. That is a very real thing, my friend. so real. And so now at this point that he's been working there for a while or at least working this particular shift for a while, I see him much more frequently than I think he expected. (laughs) Let's just say that. I think he's surprised at the frequency with which he and I get to engage in conversation. Our, this our, always
1: happens actually. Our, our
0: brief little tete tetes <laughs> as I go through the drive through line.
1: Again. It's like and again. It's like up oh, it's the three again.
0: it's the three o'clock. Let me uh let me go by and get a refill on things. Yeah,
1: it's it's true. Uh, this this tends to happen wherever we live. We've lived in four different places in California. Four, right? I'm not missing any?
0: One, two three, four. Three, four. Yeah.
1: We've lived in four different uh like four different homes in California, um, between apartments and our house and whatever. And we always have a local McDonald's that we go to and we always get to know the drive-thru team member at McDonald's really well and then we move. So maybe now that we are getting to know this drive-through employee really well it just signals to us that it's time to move <laughs>
0: those th- that's it's worth noting that that's correlative data
1: not causal no not it's not causal. causal data it's not data. causal if you work in a drive-through line we are always very happy to talk to you we're often there late late at night in pajamas no makeup glasses wearing slippers if we're wearing anything on our feet at all as we're driving oh yeah no at,
0: at, if if i'm swinging by <laughs> at 11 p.m. Midnight, whatever, if I'm going through the drive-thru for that late night McFlurry or whatever. It, no, it's three
1: chocolate chips. No, the the <laughs> the midnight order, Matthew's midnight order, is a diet soda and three chocolate chip cookies.
0: That is accurate. Every time. Every time, unless I'm going to a Burger King, in which case it's a Hershey's Sunday pie and a diet beverage. Yeah. And then if it's other local establishments, it's really mostly those That's two. It. Those are the two easiest. That's
1: it, yeah. We don't have a no, Wendy's I, that's close enough. Yeah, if we, had if we had a Wendy's that were Wendy's close that enough; it we would eat great even late, but we don't.
0: But even <laughs> then, like the the, the the frosty, well, solid is that going to give me the like substantial dessert that I'm looking for late at night?
1: If you get a big enough frosty.
0: No, the, the frosty. I feel like they've made the frosty lighter and fluffier in recent years, and so it's not as substantial.
1: I think that's true, but you just order a size up. You just size Done up the frosty.
0: Fro yeah. I feel like I can never be satiated by a frosty, whereas three three chocolate chip cookies. From McDo, That's a lot of chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> it's the appropriate amount of chocolate chip cookies, Stephanie. Oh, or like one one decent slice of the Hershey Sunday pie. You want the Oreo cheesecake at Burger King to be slightly better? No, oh,
1: you don't it, eat Oreo cheesecake at Burger King. I'm I sorry, no I'm offense, Burger King, but you just don't do that.
0: Right, like all, all the other pies, uh, second tier. The Hershey Sunday is te- definitely like the top tier standing. Someone call Tier Zoo and do a tiering list of pies at Burger King.
1: Craft um, says rank says it has to be three cookies, no more, no less. That is absolutely true. It is
0: because if I get more, I will eat more, but I won't be happy about it. <laughs> See at a, 3 is where you you hit that like inflection point of diminishing marginal as you finish the last two bites of that like third cookie you're I'm like, like right, I'm starting I'm to just, regret I'm, this I'm, decision.
1: I'm just a little sick <laughs> yeah. but not sick enough to regret the whole third yeah. cookie.
0: I'm like, you know, at this point I'm I'm in a position where I maybe this wasn't such a good decision. Oh wait, it's done. So, you know, nothing lost but everything gained <laughs> including 300-plus calories in, <laughs> in like, five minutes. But, but once you cross over four, then you're like, oh, I'm eating this because now there's one left and I have to eat it. Because they don't lonely. keep.
1: He's lonely. He's, <laughs>
0: he needs to join his brethren in my stomach. But at the same time, it's like, but I'm not happy about eating this last cookie. And then two, if you're eating two cookies – First off, you're going to be dissatisfied because it's not enough. And then secondly, if you are in a committed relationship, like I'm fortunate to be in, uh, you Otherwise, know that your partner is absolutely going to have at least half of a cookie. That's
1: my play. So my you always got to over have, order. My play is to have half of a cookie, which means I don't have to count it because I didn't have a whole one. I just had half.
0: So you round down. I
1: round down. <laughs> you round in ter- it. it in count. terms of the calories, I round down. <laughs> And so then I don't have to count it. And Matthew gets two and a half cookies, which is really kind of the the real sweet spot. It's
0: true. Uh, Uh, The literal sweet spot.
1: Anthony uh, Zazueta says, uh, did you know that Mr. Beast is from North Carolina? Did you know? Did you know he's from North Carolina? I, I think I had heard that before. I, I,
0: I thought maybe I stumbled across it somewhere online at some point, but uh, this is this is good to reinforce that that's not fake news.
1: Yeah, I, that's real news. That's great. Mr. That's, Beast is actually from North that's Carolina. That's really impressive.
0: Um, um, also, okay. if if we're talking about eating habits with couples, which we'll round out here in a second, but okay. uh, that's that's my cookie strategy because I know Stephanie's going to have that half cookie, or at least that point four nine. Oh, like a a 49% of that cookie, so it rounds down. rounds down. (laughs) But uh, same thing with chicken nuggets. If I'm ever going to a chicken nugget place, uh, you're always going with the order of probably about like – it depends on how many chicken nuggets you're looking for. If I'm ordering four, I know that Stephanie is going to have one. So I need to be like, hey, am I satisfied with the three nugget or do I go upward to the six nugget order? Because then, because also you got to take into account, is your partner, how hungry is she? Do you think she's going to go in for a second nugget? (laughs) How
1: much is she going to steal? Because
0: if if you're getting four, she actually probably won't take the two. She'll go with the one.
1: It's really hard to round down with chicken nuggets. You you either eat a chicken nugget or you don't. It's very hard to have a half chicken nugget and then be like, no, I'm going to stop at that half chicken nugget because that really took care of it for me.
0: Right. So, So I've learned that like on hungrier days or were days where Stephanie, has not had as much to eat, I'll round up a little bit. I'll go, hey, I'm going to go with a six nugget to kind of hedge my bets. It's kind of like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm at the racetrack or whatever. I'm hedging my bet here a little bit. She might go for the two. Yeah. And really all I want are the three nuggets. The three nugget is the sweet spot, but if I only get four and she goes for two, then I'm going to be dissatisfied in my (laughs) nugget quantity. I need my quota There's of nuggets. There's a lot nuggets. of
1: psychology that goes into a our lot fast food of orders. And needless to say, um, I'm, I think we should transition into the actual content of this live stream. But before we do, this there is
0: quality content. Muddy Stephanie. Cookie
1: says Chick fil A. If you're going Chick fil A, it's a minimum order of eight nuggets. Those things are so small. Sometimes you can barely see them in the tray. It's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, the Chick fil A order. They're the- great chicken nuggets, though, is the thing. And so I keep doing it. Yeah, the nugget order's tricky at Chick-fil-A because, like Stephanie said, they're very small nuggets. You have to account for, like—
1: Because they're real chicken They're just, God like, knows. little
0: bites. Little, like, little
1: They're actual nuggets. I,
0: what, as opposed to—a a nugget is a nugget, Steph. Whether or not that nugget has been formed and processed into the form of a nugget, <laughs> you know. It happens. It does. I'm uh, ch- uh, At Chick-fil-A, I'm a s- hardcore sandwich man— or the uh, the salad, the oh. chicken, the what is it? The uh, house, what is it? Shoot the the market. Salad har- oh, know. the market salad—that's the one. Okay, oh, okay, so good. okay.
1: We can review our all, oh, all of our fast sorry. food orders another day. Let's we, let's we, get we, into the tea. We're only spoiler alert. We're not Stephanie. here for chicken nuggets. We're only here for tea. Let's spoiler do this. alert.
0: We just did review all our orders from okay. pretty much everywhere. Let's go. In in exciting news, I recently learned that. Well, tragic news. We learned that we lost a Burger King, but it's being replaced with a Chick-fil-A. So, so.
1: I mean, net profit.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a sad loss. Okay,
1: come on. We've got to talk about other stuff Fine. other than fast food. Th-
0: guess what? You can segue if you want to. You're more than welcome I'm to segue. I'm segueing
1: from talking about Hershey's Sunday Pie. At Burger King to PewDiePie on YouTube. Oh, I thought that was brilliant. Oh, I right? thought we were
0: going to talk about spoilers and stuff.
1: Oh, let's talk about that first. Okay. Yeah. Never no,
0: mind. your your pie to pie connection was pretty good. Though. I know, right? It was. It was it's, pretty. It's a, it's here, a small high you know five. what? We'll go. We'll get back to the the spoiler stuff later. Don't okay. worry. There are no spoilers today.
1: No, there are no spoilers. We are not no spoiling spoilers. anything about Game of Thrones. Why are we spoiling Game of Thrones?
0: We might, we might spoil Game of Thrones. There may Maybe, be very minor, light minor. spoilers
1: for Game of Thrones, but that won't be until the end. And then also we're not spoiling anything for Endgame. But we are talking about some of the leaks and just the culture of leaking yeah, stuff not about on the leaks the we're not talking about leaks. what's in them. Okay, we're talking cool.
0: about the culture of leaks and would you watch it and stuff like that. So that's, that's coming up later. But since Stephanie has already segued over to the pie... The PewDiePie, the PewDiePie, and this is T-Series, I do think it it merits mentioning, right? So, the big news today, it's it's funny how T-Series kind of rotates between a certain subset of personalities who keep making news who, over the last couple of months. keep causing trouble. Uh, so, here we go. Uh, t- PewDiePie getting himself, not banned in India, but... but
1: a couple videos blocked.
0: But, yes, uh, definitely a subset of his content catalog has been blocked in India, right? So basically, the long and short of this is T-Series filed a complaint with the High Court of Delhi in India alleging that Felix's diss tracks are part of an effort to defame T-Series and reclaim the position at the top of the subscriber chain. Felix was sent a cease and desist letter after his first diss track on them came out. He responded by saying that the video was all in good fun and he didn't plan on making another one. And then congratulations came out. I can't imagine why they would have assumed that that was a diss track or negative toward them in any way. It's
1: congratulations. Uh,
0: so, so basically now uh, the courts in India seem to be ruling in favor of T-Series. Uh, and so those two music videos, congratulations and uh, bitch lasagna, are both now blocked.
1: It may be a bit late. They each have like 150 million views. I mean, and well, the,
0: well, the thing is, they're not blocked worldwide. They're just blocked in. Oh India. no,
1: I, I mean, yeah, but I, I, I mean.
0: Oh, certainly. I, I
1: think probably a lot of people in India have already seen them. Unbelievable! Well. Crazy! No way! So there's a lot to unpack in this in this story. There's a lot we want to talk about. Um, the The music videos we'll, we'll touch on a little bit, but we've we've touched on them before. So, or like at least the congratulations one. So there's we don't necessarily need to dig too deep there. But it's also worth talking about um, just why T-Series would do this and also the differences in culture that we might be more familiar with in the West versus um, culture in in the East and specifically in the Middle East or um, those areas of Asia where, um, you know, you have India, Pakistan and, and a very different mindset around free speech, um, what constitutes free speech and where... Um, what we think of as being free speech, especially in the U.S., doesn't actually qualify as free speech in India.
0: Well, let's start breaking it down, Steph.
1: Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so um, first of all, I mean, since this is T-Series and we're, we're, we're spilling it a little mm, bit. What are you going to spill, Steph? What are your thoughts about the actual two music videos? Because for me, and I, I you know, yep. don't let this color your opinion, yep. but for me, um, I really... Liked the congratulations video. I thought it was really cleverly done. I thought it was smart, um, and I mean, obviously, still super snarky. Um, but I, I got it, and I felt like it read as a joke. Um, with, uh, with what? Are we censoring this at all? Is it like? Uh, I don't know. We could, it's we could call it a tough it, one.
0: It's the name of the song. I just I said it a second ago. I
1: know. It's like uh, I'm trying to think of a funny way to to do it. Booty lasagna. That doesn't. Ooh, that, that doesn't work. work at all. That doesn't work.
0: Female lasagna, no, like fem- female uh, dog lasagna, minestrone, nah, uh, minestrone, bish,
1: bish.
0: What bish? Bish. What is that? It's
1: like a bisque, but
0: bisque, bisque lasagna. Bisque lasagna. I kind of okay, like bisque we lasagna. We'll go that's
1: with fun. bisque
0: lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're, we're gonna get. De- we're sa- talking about PewDiePie. We're gonna get demonetized know, anyway. We're like, already probably wrongfully claimed for this video. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, we just like might as well just turn off all monetization on right? everything that we do on GT Live. Like why? Whatever. what Whatever, it's all gone. Um,
1: okay, so, um, so with bisque lasagna, I actually <laughs>
0: <laughs> bisque sounds like bisquick. I feel like we're I... making bisque. I mean, maybe I'm just hungry today. I did. That's what I'm just hungry today. Uh,
1: so it it uh didn't resonate with me in the same way. It it actually struck me as as like quite a bit more vulgar especially since where the reference came from is not a nice place it's not just like a funny saying it's it you know comes out of something that's pretty offensive oh
0: for those of you who don't know and which
1: yeah maybe we should recap so because i didn't i didn't actually the one for me was kind of eh i didn't i didn't appreciate it very much but i did like congratulations yeah
0: i actually didn't really know this until just recently but uh yeah the phrase bisque lasagna uh, actually, is a reference to an infamous Facebook messenger letter sent by a man from India where he demanded nude photos from someone and then called her that that Fisk name lasagna. when she didn't reply so that was his it's you know, like his
1: derogatory like you didn't do what I wanted you to do by sending me nude photos, so now I'm going to call you this like ugly name it's like it, it, this ugly slash also random name, yeah. Um,
0: so there you go. I've
1: always found lasagna perfectly lovely. It's it's neatly layered. You have all of your flavor profiles covered. Y- y- it's really nice, y- y- actually. So I, I don't understand really where he was coming from. Maybe he had a bad experience with lasagna in the past. Well, you got to want
0: – to me – I, I, I do gotta wonder, and I, I need to look deeper into that story. It's just
1: some weird autocorrect. That, that's
0: kind of <laughs> I, what I feel like it I think, must be, I think right? it is, too. Where Facebook Messenger took this guy, and it, it might have been in a different language or something, and then some auto translate just completely failed, and and it became you know immortalized by you know this Facebook meme, and then whatever, and then PewDiePie's song kind of themed around it. 'Cause I can't imagine that he he intentionally called someone that name in a purposely derogatory like he was trying for right. something else. Yeah, right? I, I
1: don't know what it was, but
0: Unless her body reminded him of a multi layered pasta dish. <laughs> Which I hey, you know, I, I if if people say that uh cellulite in your legs reminds them of cottage cheese, maybe your fat rolls remind me of ricotta cheese sandwiched between layers of pasta. No,
1: pasta, uh, lasagna is, has a lovely structure to it. I would think that someone would be but like. But it's ni- gooey, Like, like stacked. Maybe he was implying that she's stacked as in she's like muscular. No. So she's a bisque lasagna. I have. And you, you are a bisque, but you are also
0: buff. I have yet to come across a <laughs> lasagna that would, would make me think of someone being stacked or buff. My lasagnas are always oozy and gooey, cheesy, delicious. To be honest, soft, pudgy, pudgy I don't, lasagna. I don't know if my
1: mom is watching this, but the lasagnas she made growing up were sometimes kind of dry, which is why I think they were they oh, the were like team. they were like they were very rigidly structured and so you could you could you could carve you could carve Michelangelo's David out of those things. Sometimes they were, they were very, they were very structurally sound. Not a lot of oozing going on. I think it was for health reasons. It was a much healthier lasagna than a lot of them out there, and so I think that's why it held up that way.
0: I have had. But you could
1: do bricks with those things.
0: It's, it's like the pueblo of the Italian <laughs> yes, world. You
1: could you could put like you could you could put like cement between them and then use them to build a house.
0: The Spanish have their pueblo bricks. The Italians have, have your mother's lasagna. lasagna.
1: She often went meatless. She often did a vegetarian lasagna, which it, so it didn't have the oozy, like oily meat in there. It was just ricotta, pasta, sauce, and then and and that was it. It was a very lean lasagna. You know what wow. I mean? Wow, that
0: you know, know we've covered a lot of controversial topics. <sighs> On this live stream and on T series, that might be the most dangerous thing <laughs> that we've talked about on it's, this live stream. That could stream get yet. us in the most trouble. I really fear checking your phone after this live. I bet you're getting like some sort of it's text message up. saying, "My, my how dad, hurt my dad is, is like, run for the hills." <laughs> well. No, uh, Stephanie may have been from North Carolina at one point, but she will never I'm see that state ever now. again. She's okay, been exiled. So anyway. just like PewDiePie from India, bringing it all the way back around. All
1: right. Uh, so anyway, um, long story short, liked congratulations, uh, uh, and I don't know how you feel about bisque.
0: Uh mm. Congratulations to me is is definitely the stronger of the two songs. I think Bisque Lasagna. It's catchy. It's a bit too
1: aggressive for me. Um,
0: it's yeah, I like it it's much more of a traditional diss track, which I've never been the biggest fan of diss tracks. Like I appreciate the what it stood for in the rivalry between uh T Series and Pudes, but it's one of those things where like yeah, it, it's it's a bit too aggressive and a little less clever. Whereas like Congratulations I think is just very clever and thoughtful. Like Bisque, it was never my favorite part of the whole thing, but I, th- you know, I I respected what it did in kind of the moment and kind of where it stood in in things. Uh, that being said, though, like Stephanie mentioned, um, India does have very different free speech rights available, and, and, you know, free speech is defined very differently and protected by the government very differently in India. So it's actually not a big surprise to hear... That they've been banned there.
1: It seems like a huge deal to our like sort of Western sensibilities because for something to to be banned that that doesn't doesn't really happen in the U.S. Um, unless it is an actual terrorist who's uh, killed like, killed someone. Forget, or.
0: forget censoring the word bisque. Uh-huh. Now you said you said that. And now oh, YouTube's man. all over this. Okay.
1: All right. So well. Anyway. Anyway. So. E- it has to be something really extreme in the U.S. for any type of censorship to come into play or for the news media not to cover it is more more likely what happens, like how they they leave criminals' names out of news stories so that they don't get extra publicity, that kind of thing. Um, but in in India, the rights to free speech are limited and there are sort of loopholes around them so that if the right people complain to Indian courts... Um, they can use a very wide range of um, arguments to get something censored or banned in India I, I one of the most like, Famous examples I remember from this, just from high school or early college maybe, was um, this really famous book by Salman Rushdie called Satanic Verses. And it's banned in India. And he is Indian. And he's writing about his own culture and and his culture from his perspective. But it is not a flattering portrayal of um, the Indian caste system and other aspects of Indian culture. Have you read it? I have. Yeah. Is it good? I like it. I mean, it was it was one of those things where I read it because I had to read it. But in, in retrospect, I look back and I'm like, oh, that was really interesting. And it actually inspired me to go on and read a lot of other Indian literature. Like, there's some other Indian literature I like better. Um, like, A Fine Balance is one of the one of, like, my favorite books that I've ever read. Mm-hmm. And, it I, like, it's not by Salman Rushdie, but he, like, like, reading the Satanic Verses got me more interested in it, um, and I learned a ton. So I, from my perspective, it actually inspired me to learn a lot more about Indian culture, but it's actually banned in India.
0: Yeah, and it, it's interesting, right? So if you actually read the laws around Indian free speech, a lot of them are... Like, hey, we're we're allowing you to have free speech except for things that feel like you are actively attacking other groups of people, right? Or, so, or the
1: government. Or the government. Well, so if you just I say gonna, something that's yeah, not – yeah.
0: I was going to get to that, right? Oh, okay. So, like, in general, like, if you were to kind of summarize Indian free speech laws as we kind of read and as, you know, very base understanding of them, right? It seems like they summarize as, hey – you're good as long as you're not, like, actively bullying or antagonizing another group of people, especially when it comes to religious— bu- Like, it, it seems like their laws are really focused around kind of like, hey, we we don't want a lot of conflict around religion, so, like— If you're doing things that are controversial around that side, like, that's when we're gonna really step in and start, you know, censoring what you're saying. Stephanie brings up a good point, though, is if you keep reading, you learn that they're a lot less flexible when it comes to criticism of the government, right, and a lot of critics of the, the Indian government, based on the articles that we've been reading in the wake of this story, uh, it seems like a lot of the critics of Indian government saying like, hey, there's a better way to do things, hey, the government's making mistakes because of X, Y, and Z, whatever, um, a lot of those critics are getting censored off of these laws around sedition. Uh, you know, and being threatened about them. And and the crazy thing about it is, according to the law, like, if you are found guilty of sedition, which is, uh, criticizing the government, right? It is life imprisonment. Yeah. So, so yeah, so no one, everyone's like, I have a problem with the government. And then they're like, oh, don't, don't say that. We're gonna level sedition on you. And then people are like, oh, never mind.
1: Yeah, so that's the thing. A lot of people actually don't get convicted of sedition in India, but a lot of people get accused of it, including, um... Where where was it? I saw like um, people like cheerleaders at a pep rally on like uh, a folk singer, students cheering at a cricket game. Um, Lots of authors, lots of I know that those cricket games can get wild, Um, and lots of journalists get sedition like get charged with sedition. Um, It usually gets like released or they get let off but usually um, in the process obviously they get really scared Um, they're you know they have to stop working they may go to prison for some period of time the trials can drag on for years and so it can ruin your life to even get Um, a charge of sedition. And the other thing um, which PewDiePie brings up and is sort of interesting is this uh, idea of defamation. Right. And you hear about like we we sort of like have this understanding of what that means here, which is like basically going out publicly, like if you were to go out publicly in a public forum and say that, um, you know, someone did something that they didn't do. Um, and it was an outright lie and you, you, you could be charged with defamation because depending on what you said about them it could hurt their job their relationships their personal life everything right you could ruin someone's life by telling a big lie about them and that's and that's a you know that's against the law um, but in India those same laws of defamation don't necessarily apply or they're like they're much broader like it's easier to charge someone with defamation if you ju- if they just say something about you that you don't like um or that is not entirely provable or whatever or if you're a
0: big corporation yeah
1: or if you're a big corporation and someone says something about your corporation and you're like that doesn't make us look very good even if it's you know criticism that we would consider pretty mild around here like uh if we were to be like diet coke tastes terrible Whoa. that could you know if, if you're saying that against a big corporation and it could hurt their business, then that's defamation, right? Um, So in India, those laws are a lot broader. So when PewDiePie says in congratulations, X, Y, Z, blah, 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 that's not defamation, that's not defamation, it might not be in the UK, but it actually could be in India. And that's their argument.
0: Yeah, that's that's the trick, right? And so also based on the articles that we've been reading in preparation for talking about this on T-Series – the the other thing to to know here is that based on the articles we've read uh if corporations do kind of bring up this idea of like hey people are defaming us the government's much more likely to kind of uphold their side on behalf of the corporation right and so T series obviously being a large entity who's very successful um and and being you know a a for the most part, I guess, like, positive vanguard of of Indian culture and of Indian business, especially when it comes to its presence in the YouTube ecosystem. Like, the government's gonna side with them, right? So they're like, hey, this this kid, you know, who's diss-tracking you or whatever, like, yeah, we're gonna side with the, the business entity. It, it, yeah. it kind of reminds me a little bit of the episode that we did on game theory of uh, Fortnite versus PUBG, right? where at the end of the day, the conclusion that I reached was that technically Fortnite was in the clear, uh, except for the fact that PUBG was, I believe, uh, from a Korean, uh, Bluehole, I believe is the, the name of the company, right? And the case was going to be tried in Korea, and it was one of those things where because the, a government is going to tend to probably favor large corporations or businesses that exist within their own territories, right? They're not going to be like, "Oh yeah, we're, you know, we're going to strike down this really massive mega corporation who exists within our walls to support the claim of some other entity from across the seas." No, that's that's probably not going to be the case. And so in that Fortnite PUBG episode, we conclude like, yeah, there is some level of legal precedent here where the courts would technically, you know, have a decent chance of siding with PUBG even though in most parts of the world, that wouldn't be the case, right? It's all about where it's being tried. And so here, in the case of, uh, you know, PewDiePie versus T-Series, yeah, it would make sense for the Indian government to support the claims of a large corporation within its own borders. Yeah. The takeaway, though, is that it doesn't really make a big difference. Like, yeah, PewDiePie's videos get banned, but the the thing is, it's not like... T-series, I don't believe at least I don't think T series can outright sue PewDiePie because they're India and then he's UK. No,
1: that's why if you're in the U.S., you could say stuff like T series songs suck or whatever.
0: Wow. Oh, now we're and gonna, you're
1: not. <laughs> everyone's
0: coming after us now. You're
1: not subject to laws in India when you. Reside in the U.S. or the U.K. or a place where the laws are different. That's why there really aren't uh, criminal proceedings that can be um, taken against PewDiePie, as far as we understand. Um, unless you know, T-Series was somehow able to prove that um, they lost a bunch of money because of PewDiePie's song or something like that. That then maybe then maybe there's a case to be made somewhere, but it would be it would be difficult um, and probably in. Doing that or drawing attention to it, um, it would be a terrible PR story for them um, to go after like one guy because they think he's annoying or whatever. When they have you know ten channels that have over ten million subscribers and then they are like the top channel on the platform, it just seems seems kind of senseless and embittered. I mean, you um, say, so it's not a good story for them to do that either.
0: I mean, you say that, but at the same time, like I don't know. Anytime you're dealing with people in positions of power, a lot of times there's a lot of pettiness involved. Like, I think you look across the history of the world, uh, history of politics, etc. Like, a lot of times the people who have the most power are, in a lot of cases, you know, sometimes really petty because that's the thing that they focus on, right? Like, it it's that one kind of nagging thing in the background that they need to just, like, smack down or the thing that, like, taints their legacy or at least in their mind does. And so, you know... Here's T Series probably wanting like some sort of clean victory or whatever, and then here's PewDiePie kind of like serving as this constant like pest or nag, and so you know I could see them wanting to like n- not snuff him out, but you you know. Hey like, man,
1: you don't always get what you want.
0: Sure, I, I well, and anytime you're dealing with any sort of battle like that, it's it's going to be a complicated issue. Yeah. So the the long and short of it is, I think it's it it's a it's a tough it's a tough one, right? Because like. I I get bold I, I mean I the the law in India like they're they're kind of abiding yeah, by the law right yeah There's nothing they're you can they're do. operating
1: they're functioning entirely within the laws of India they're taking advantage of the legal system that they have which makes a lot of sense and you know I I, I get that like if you have if you can have that advantage and you can block those pieces of content to you know the huge huge population of the of the country that you don't really want to see them in a very legal way maybe you would make that choice and like hey that's totally their prerogative to make by the way
0: it is I but I do think it does go to show you know again it's it's all about the control of it this is one of my recurring themes in life right is is who controls the information that you're consuming mm-hmm. right and so if if you know here's a here's a uh, large corporation who's like, hey, this this other, like, individual song is saying bad things about me. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, and some of that stuff may be rooted in reality and may be, you know, founded in some cases. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, well, they're censored now, so no one's going to find out about it.
1: So, I mean, that's the thing. When, if you ask us, like, a personal opinion, we're almost always going to side on the side of free speech, right? Um, and of... <clears throat> People having access to all sides of information um, and all and all opinions on an issue because um, probably the truth is somewhere in the middle of all of them, and you know it's it's tough to make a call of what should be allowed versus not allowed and what's safe and versus what's unsafe. Um, so we're we're probably always going to err on the side of free speech. Yeah. but you know, one of the, I also know that there you know laws are different around the world.
0: One one of the craziest ones was uh, when we visited China. Oh Actually, gosh. and so we're like, "Hey, we're going to Tiananmen Square tomorrow." Yeah,
1: we went to visit Tiananmen Square.
0: Let's look up the history just to like refresh ourselves, or kind of like see what specific things we should be on the lookout for, or whatever. Nope. about <laughs> Tiananmen Square before we visit tomorrow, or whatever. And you pull up the Wikipedia page, and it's like, "Nope, this doesn't exist."
1: It, it's literally all all of the Wikipedia pages, all of the historical um, all all of the historical documents around Tiananmen Square are completely blocked. It's as if the the massacre in the square did not even happen, um, which that was a really chilling kind of reminder that um, that 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 control over information affects. People's lives; it erases. It can erase people's lives. It can make history look completely different than what actually happened, and can erase entire events or causes or you know the stuff that people fought for in their life just completely off the map, which is um, really scary.
0: Yeah, it's it's honestly one of the big reasons why Steph and I felt really strongly about doing a film theory on the whole like yellow journalism. Trend too. It was uh. It's not like one of the most popular film theories. It's kind of gotten off the radar. It's but it's about like the news and how it's portrayed and this and that. And it's it's one of those things that like like Steph said. A lot of times the truth exists in between a lot of the stories that you're being told. But you gotta be aware of the stories to begin with. And and that's one of the craziest things is you know going to this place, seeing this like massive historical area. You know, that's very clearly set aside and, like, very clearly this is a big historical thing. But it's, like, when you're, like, right next door to it and there's just no information about it whatsoever. Like, nope, turn a blind eye to anything and everything that would have happened there. It, it was crazy. Like Ste- Steph said, it was a bit chilling to kind of, like, pull up that web page and just see, like, this doesn't exist. It It is wiped from existence, yeah. which, is, which is pretty crazy. Uh, the other thing that's worth calling out here, too, and, uh, you know uh, – because we were fortunate enough to go to India, it was actually one of my favorite vacations that we took. It's, it um, was
1: amazing to visit, by the way. So, like, India all, is great. all of this said, we loved our visit to India. It was fascinating. It was one of the most educational experiences of our entire lives. And it was, I mean, incredible in yeah. so many ways.
0: But the the thing I wanted to bring up is it's really interesting to see this cultural divide between the younger generation in India versus the older generation in India and, and again think, this is just
1: our experience when we when we were there
0: correct yeah so uh, we we had a, a tour guide who kind of uh, spent uh, an extended period with us um, which was very very cool he was actually a a youtuber himself uh, over in India which is pretty wild he did uh social experiments um, not pranks but he actually did like actual social experiments when he brought people in and Challenge their beliefs about X, Y, or Z things. It, it
1: was often interesting because it got it, the whole idea was that he wanted people to be able to talk about things that were previously taboo in India, stuff like relationships, um, gender identity, stuff like that. That is was you know up until very recently almost all totally illegal to talk about, um, and is still considered very taboo in a lot of ways, um, where you can't talk about any women's issues, you can't talk about um, the fact that you might be gay or something like that Um, it's very um, it's still very very under wraps and so he his videos were almost all centered on getting people to open up about their beliefs or the the way that they live their life um, and to highlight the fact that India was moving forward and was like looking forward to like a more progressive kind of future
0: yeah it was really interesting to hear him talk about the fact that you know now that the youth of india are kind of growing up with access to the internet and getting exposed to all these different ways of life from around the world you have a lot of a lot of that younger generation or at least from his perspective a lot of that younger generation questioning a lot of the Deeply in inbuilt beliefs around how India has run for I mean millennia almost I mean quite honestly uh, for since it's the earliest history um, everything from like the arranged marriages to the caste system and this and that he's like you know we recognize that there are different ways and different ideas out there and you know we're we're actively like exploring them we're talking about them but it's it's I mean it's such a Cultural, I mean, it's so ingrained in the culture that, like, it's one of those things that'll take, like, uh, centuries and you know, I would say centuries to kind of like change people's minds about it or whatever. But it is really interesting to hear the, and, and he even openly talked about how, you know, the, the youth have this very different perspective than, than the older people there and how. For them, like there's there's no other mindset here, but you have th- these young people being exposed to these international beliefs or these international ways, and it's it's starting to create this more uh, grassroots kind of cultural conversation that's happening there, which was which was fascinating. And
1: again, to take it full circle, it's one of those things where he recognized, and I think a lot of people recognize that the more people who have access to information, which usually means access to the internet, but you know. An, yeah. un, an uncensored internet. Um, the more people who have access to information about what's going on in the rest of the world, the more they can understand their place in the world, how to make their own communities, their own situation, their own you know country better. And so it's a matter of getting information into people's hands. And so um, it was just – it was a totally fascinating we, – we had days and days worth of conversation about this. Um, and he was very fortunate because he grew up in the Brahmin um, – um, yes. his, in the Brahmin caste, and but but even growing up, sort of in that more more privileged kind of um, kind of. A tier of society, he's still subject to arranged marriages. He's still subject to um, having his parents dictate when all of his like life milestones were happening. He was like 24, 25, and he was like, "Oh yeah, my parents have been letting me off the hook for a couple years. I, you know, I'm gonna have to get married next year. Or, you know, whatever it yeah, is." Yeah, they've been
0: willing to like let him push it. For yeah, a while. and
1: they're and they're they were considered like pretty li- Super, a pretty yeah. liberal family because they let him go on a date with the girl like he they, he was he was going to be allowed to go on a date with the girl he was going to marry before they got married.
0: Just wild to think about.
1: Date. And I don't know if he was even alone. It was just like yeah, I forget. they can hang out once. Yeah. And that was and and just the so the culture is v- just very different still. Um and so you know when people are I, th- I think you know there's a lot of trolling that's also gone on online about this T series PewDiePie issue, and it's also just important to recognize that perspective, worldviews, and perspectives can be completely different
0: if you're coming from a different place. It's true.
1: Yep. Oh, man. Have we covered that one?
0: I believe so. It's time so. to move on. It is time to move on. So next next story, actually, is about YouTube itself, right? So we're talking about kind of the specific issues around two channels in a very specific part of the world. Obviously, two massive channels uh, in a very large part of the world. But now let's talk about YouTube as an entire platform, right? So uh, YouTube, it started to leak out. And actually, I this was news to me, too, uh, yeah. uh, even though we have a lot of... People that we talk to at YouTube, we know a lot of different teams at YouTube. This was a a surprise to me, and you can bet we're going to start asking them about it. But uh, basically, YouTube uh, might be experimenting with a new metric, uh, a new kind of uh, number system to decide what defines a good video from a bad video on the platform, what gets disseminated out into your subscription feeds, what gets disseminated out into your home pages and ultimately what earns money on the platform, right? So, um this is what they're calling it or kind of what it's being called in the press is quality watch time. So, you all are familiar, I would assume at this point. Uh, I talk about it a lot on game theory episodes. I talk about it a lot when I do Uh, speeches or any sort of, like, VidCon presentations or things like that. Ooh, it's us in a window. Oh, hey, Whoa, look at us being meta right now. Good one, Chris. Uh, (laughs) uh, So we talk about this a lot, uh, but basically this idea of, hey, back in 2012, YouTube made the switch to watch time. It's how PewDiePie and a lot of gamers kind of surged through the ranks. It was all based on, hey... Uh, YouTube needs to define what makes a good video from a bad video, and they're like, well, a good video must be one that people watch because if it was bad, people wouldn't watch it, right?
1: And it's it's worth kind of tooting our own horn or sort of Matthew's horn, but then also a little bit of mine as well. Um, when, two, when it was 2012 and, and 2013, yeah. um, and we were, like, in the earlier days of our consulting, we were basically the first people I ever heard of talk about watch time being a metric on youtube instead of clicks Um, because it wasn't that broadly advertised for like a couple of years and we were the first people who were talking about it i i literally remember sitting there with um like with channels who we were consulting and we were like look here's the way it goes i know you care about your view count but youtube cares about your watch minutes and we would show them graphs about of like different channels like that we had seen where when their watch time goes up, their subscribership goes up. And when their watch time goes down, their subscribership goes down. Like, and because YouTube was changing how visible that channel was based on how many watch minutes they got. So it was one of those things where, um, I feel like we were the, some of the first people to talk about the last shift that happened. And it's really interesting. Um, this is like a little bit of a personal, like a personal tie. Per,
0: are we doing personal tea? Uh,
1: personal tea. Um, No, not really, but uh, never mind. I mean, mean, sort of. Okay, yes, personal tea. But for this has been in development for the last two years, and one of the things that we've noticed is um, over the last year on our channels a a shifting priority that's been different, difficult to pin down. It's true, um, and pin on one factor or another. We run a lot of. Like we, we pay attention to a lot of metrics behind the scenes on our videos, and we're always um, we're always asking uh, for like, hey, let's pull this data, let's let's track this over the next few weeks, and then let's like let's let's look at what might be causing our videos to get more views or to get less views or whatever. And we've been noticing some ups and downs that have been more difficult to account for than you know in the past because we're usually like pretty good at predicting these things, and so. This actually may go to explain what we've been seeing and what we've been trying to pin down for a while.
0: Yeah. So basically, this is, according to kind of the articles that we were reading, uh, this is kind of YouTube's response to all the claims that have been made about it uh, between uh, over the last couple years, right, between the, the Logan Paul incidents of you know, here's a person who's just doing, like, more and more extreme stuff to get more and more clicks and more and more views onto his videos and and more and more watch time. Like, this kind of, like, we need more extreme content to go bigger and better so that way more people watch my stuff, you know. So, quality, this idea, this idea of quality watch time would try to counteract that sort of, like, exploitative stuff. Yeah. Uh, It's to combat a lot of the more recent allegations that have come across YouTube around, like... Uh, the conspiracy theory stuff and the extremist stuff that exists on the platform where people are actively saying like, you know, like, this is disseminating fake news. This is Uh, you know, not a trustworthy source, this is uh, something that is spreading lies and stuff like that. And so YouTube, again, has been trying to, like, figure out algorithmic ways to solve for that. And so, again, according to these articles, quality watch time would try to weed out some of these kind of bad actors in the space uh, and some of these channels who are disseminating kind of this this questionable content. Um, And then also... The from the kids content controversies that they've had, like you know, uh, this this isn't quality entertainment for our children. Uh, quality watch time is supposed to solve for that, and then even the idea of people are just mindlessly watching stuff on the platform. Okay, uh, again, because the thing that we always say whenever we do a consulting session, it's true of any digital platform that you use right now, at least. Uh, st- Channels, websites, whatever, are all programmed to get you to use them as long as possible, right? They are all designed to get you using them for the longest possible time period, right? And so if you are a creator on Twitter or Facebook or YouTube or wherever and you are getting people to consume more content, get them to engage more regularly, this and that, you will get more promotion in their platforms. Your stuff will get more visibility because you are ultimately feeding into what the algorithms of those websites want, right?
1: And that is in alignment with with some of what you see here. Like, it does say in the articles that you read about this update, there there are basically two factors that are at work here, which one is You know, based on what, like, what does that piece of content make you do? Does it make you stay on the platform? Does it make you? Um, leave a comment? Does it make you scroll through the comments? Like YouTube can track everything that you do on YouTube right now, which is really scary. So they know if you're in the chat of this, you, they know if you're just watching this, they know if you have another screen pulled up over top of this because you're doing your homework like a lot of people are or you're at work or whatever. They know if you are actively in the chat, they know how many chat messages you left in the last minute. They know Everything, right? And so they can judge how engaged you are in any piece of content. So, are you leaving a comment? Are you giving a thumbs up? What are, What are you doing? And so, uh, the more engaged people are while they're watching content, the more YouTube is going to reward that content, right? Um, which is is interesting. And like you know, it's it's two sides of a coin. I think there's definitely good and bad about that. The other thing is this judging of what is quality content. Like, what does that mean?
0: Yeah, and so... Um, so there, those
1: are the two things. It's engagement and quality.
0: Yeah, engagement, me- including watch time. So watch, time, watch time. time isn't going yeah. away, right? Like, that's that's the first thing is, like, if, again, it's kind of a next evolution of watch time in a new way, right? So it's it's, hey, people are watching this live stream for a long time, and they're engaging in the chat, and they liked it. Give it a thumbs up. That'd be great. Um, you know, that's telling YouTube, hey, this is something that I like. This is something that I'm engaged with. This is something positive, yep. right? The The second factor here is kind of the more questionable one and the one that YouTube's being dicey about. And that I think that they're probably still very much I trying think to figure they're out. they're
1: trying to figure it out, yeah.
0: Is what defines – quality right Right. like quality can be defined by likes it can be defined by number of comments It can be uh, sure
1: and it's always going to be defined differently by different people which is where i my biggest hang up with this whole whole thing is that what we've always loved about youtube and the whole point the whole reason why youtube is successful was because it took the decisions out of the hands of news studios Network television, movie studios, those people in, like, those traditional media settings were, like, before, they got to decide what is good and what's not good, and only the stuff that they thought was good got to be made into a TV show or got to be made into a movie, and sometimes if it contained stuff that was considered brand unsafe, like same-sex couples or um, discussions of stuff that is, like, uncomfortable for people. They'd be like, oh, no, 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 we don't want to touch that. The whole point of YouTube is that there weren't any of those people being like, no, 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 we're going to censor this. We're going to decide what's good. Instead, the whole point of YouTube is that people get to decide what's good. It, like, it's Ooh. taking it from – no, seriously, mm. it takes entertainment from being this, like – this thing where quality is decided by just a few people to it's decided by everyone. It's just decided by what you choose to watch. And so my concern with this whole discussion of quality is that people should get to decide what is quality entertainment. If you if you think that watching PewDiePie all day long is quality entertainment, go for it. If you think that watching the 127th um, Like part of a Mario series That the Game Grumps are doing Is quality Absolutely Go for it we, we know people who can recite Like episode 237 Of like
0: Their Pokemon Fire Red of playthrough Of Pokemon
1: Fire Red playthrough I mean come on
0: I believe it's uh, part one, 123 <laughs>
1: Um or or beauty tutorials or, or cooking videos or whatever it is, but the point is you get to decide that that's a quality video, not someone else, not like a movie studio, not somebody at a network, and not YouTube. Well, like, you you make that decision for yourself. Oh man,
0: I get to play devil's advocate though, uh-huh, Stephanie. This okay. is where I get to play devil because I agree. Like I think. Not-
1: <laughs> then that's not really playing devil's advocate. <laughs> no, <is it? laughs>
0: correct. Uh, no, I I agree. Uh, about the whole idea of the audience getting to choose what is quality to them. However, however, and I think this is the the problem that YouTube is trying to face, or the problem that YouTube is trying to solve, right? A lot of times, people won't select content that is quote-unquote good for them. It's not nutritious, right? So, one of the things that you're seeing all these online platforms getting leveled, or like the complaints that are getting leveled at all these uh, platforms are, is that if left to their own devices, and if the, if funneled into algorithms that are designed to get people consuming as much content as they possibly could you know as, as much content as they possibly can people will choose to stay within their own content bubbles right they won't choose to seek out other perspectives they won't choose stuff that is you know, challenging How to their existing beliefs or whatever. How is different from
1: any other form of media? When you turn on a TV to oh, watch no, a TV sure, show, yeah. you turn it off at the I, end. Correct. And there you've just watched sure. only the show you wanted to watch.
0: Yeah, okay. absolutely. But what I'm saying is now – now, you're, uh, YouTube, you're, you're totally right, I get that, but the thing is, YouTube has always been held to different standards than traditional media. YouTube is always the, like, there's tons of brand unsafe stuff on YouTube, uh, or on TV, but you don't see the brands complaining about that because it's TV, right? But it, But as soon as something brand unsafe appears on YouTube, oh, brand unsafe on YouTube, YouTube fixed the problem. It suddenly becomes a problem, right? And so you're right But that's just the fact of the double standards that exist right now. And so YouTube, as they're like, well, people are complaining about us addicting people to less than high-quality content, how do we solve for this? Part of that solution, then, is how do our machines start funneling people or incentivizing people or getting people exposed to stuff that they might not willingly choose on their own? So you're... I agree. Like, I get it, right? YouTube is having to solve... And and digital platforms in general, but, like, we're talking about YouTube, right? YouTube is having to solve problems that other digital... That other entertainment mediums have never had to deal with. But it's in part because the systems are smarter, right? The systems are more sophisticated. They're smarter and they exist in our phones, in our tablets, and in our TVs. Like, it's the same thing that, like the gaming industry should probably have to answer for too in some way where it's like, hey
1: What are you talking about? Candy Crush is so nutritious.
0: Well well that's but that's the whole thing, right? Like, we've covered this on game theory where like it's very easy to design games that hit those little dopamine receptors in your brain and suddenly you're addicted to the game and you like they can trigger use all these little psychological triggers to get you to pay another dollar pay a little bit more to get an extra life, or a couple more levels, or whatever, and they're, you know, in a lot of ways, hacking your brain for their own benefit, right? And these entertainment platforms now can kind of do a similar thing to a much greater degree of sophistication than TV ever was able to. So I kind of understand why YouTube would be held at a different standard, but that's the thing, right, is humans, when left to their own devices, a lot of times won't choose new what quote unquote nutritious content. And so the the challenge that they're throwing out there is what what is quality? You know, what is what is going to get people to engage with quality watch time rather than something that is just watch time that's they're just falling into. I and my concern there and I think this is the same concern that you're echoing, right, is what defines quality then? Does YouTube decide it's Educational videos on YouTube. Great. Like, hey, awesome. Like expose people to more educational videos on YouTube. I think that would be fantastic. Um,
1: Would uh, it? uh, I mean, would it, though? Here's the thing. Here's my turn to play devil's advocate where I actually will express a dissenting opinion. Uh, I'm just giving you a hard time. So I think it's a slippery slope because even if you're going with... Educational content, which at the surface, you're like, oh, educational content is good. It depends on what you're educating people about, how you're educating people, what the quality is, who the education is coming from. Mm -hmm. It's a really slippery slope when you start to define quality based on something other than just what people want to watch. And we talk about this with brands too, where especially this happens when we talk to movie studios because movie studios are used to producing these unbelievably high quality cinematic, beautiful works of art that cost like hundreds of millions <coughs> of dollars to to create, bless you. Thank you. Um, and they'll, and we'll talk to them about YouTube and when we, they'll be like, oh, the quality on YouTube is just, it sucks. It's so terrible. Everything on YouTube is just like, you know, it's so low quality. And we're like, what do you mean by quality because people, millions of people on YouTube have decided that Jake Paul is quality content. And you might not agree with that. I might not agree with that. But there are people out there who watch him, who love him, who follow him, who find him inspirational. And you know what? For them, that's quality content. It's, it's this idea that there is a definition of quality rather than just people's opinions. And if you start to be like, okay, educational content, you could define that into, like, nothing. Like, we wouldn't necessarily qualify as educational content. We might qualify as a conspiracy, and then we get the boot, you know?
0: Oh, I mean, I've been concerned about that forever. (laughs) I've been been waiting for that day. Uh, (laughs) That's always a concern for me. But, no, I I mean, I I get that. I think the other interesting thing about this whole issue is – Once you switch the algorithm, because clearly these algorithms are really good at keeping people on their platform. Like, they've succeeded in their goal. Any step away from that is now a step against their own interests in a lot of ways. Which I think is the other interesting facet to this is, hey, we have a system that is purely designed to get people to watch as long as possible. That is the only goal, and the system's really good at that. As soon as we start introducing a system that, like that is no longer, like, that's priority one, and there's nothing else. Now there's other priorities in there. You actually can start to push people off the platform faster, oh, yeah. uh, which is kind of interesting. Like, duh. I'm, I'm curious to see how it plays out, because now of a sudden, is YouTube willing to sacrifice, you know, getting people watching as long as possible for this, like, look at how high quality your content is? The other thing I'll throw out there, too, is, you know, my big concern with this is if quality content starts getting defined, who's defining it? And in a lot of cases, you know who's going to be defining it, which is the big media companies. So, oh, yeah, the the traditional media... Uh, distributors are gonna totally be quality content on YouTube because we trust them, they look at how pretty their production values are and look at how great they are, and so again, like, my concern with this is just like the creator community as a result suffers because you know, only a certain number if at all are able to meet whatever the, the quality threshold is I think that's, to me, that's one of the big concerns.
1: There are two things I want to read out um, from Twitter. One is from at um, agranad0 who says, "I love Matthew calling out sponsors for letting anything go on traditional media, but when YouTube tri- uh, or digital mediums have anything controversial on them, they have to pull every ad sponsorship, and YouTube is trash." <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, from at zero d longitude, um, if if you've got a tiny channel and you're trying to improve or grow, or um, how does this change help you? how can you ever grow if youtube knocks you down for quality
0: i mean that's a that's great a good question that's a great question i like honestly i would be concerned about that like that's a, that's another part of this right and this kind of goes off of what i was saying earlier uh, m- kind of the last point i made which is you know you see smaller creators slowly being kind of like Not shoved out, but kind of, like, squeezed out slowly as far as the systems and hurdles that are in place getting harder and harder. The the hoops that you have to jump through are getting harder and harder, right? I do think that, you know, if you're an educational channel, like, at least you, you stand a better chance in that system. But like Stephanie said are they gonna require you to have, a, you know, prove your level of education? Like, how do they prove a quality educational channel from a not quality educational exactly. channel? Like, it, it, it's tough. And is there a certain production value that need? And like, there's a lot of question marks around that. So, like I said, this is a new thing that we just stumbled across uh, that's slowly being covered by news outlets. It's one that uh, we're going to start reaching out to people and, and asking questions about to see what we can learn about it. And who knows? Maybe it's it's false. I don't think it is. I, I totally, I, like Stephanie said earlier, I think it explains a lot of the strange anomalies and fluctuations we've been seeing in the data of not only our own channels, but a lot of the channels that we work with uh, behind the scenes that we consult for. Uh, the last two years have been... More difficult to predict than ever before, and it wouldn't surprise me if a lot of these small fluctuations are actually the result of them tweaking and redesigning the system to prioritize different elements.
1: It's exciting being a guinea pig.
0: Right? It's great when you're a (laughs) guinea pig and it's your livelihood not just for yourself but also, you know, the people that you care about in your life uh, as well as your your friends – and other people who've decided to join you on this crazy journey that you want to provide for as a quality employer.
1: Uh, do we have time That's to cover one, Do we have time to cover one more story? I think
0: we do have time <gasps> to cover one more story. Yes. Which so more some more in quality watch time as we learn it, as it develops. Oh yeah. Uh, we'll be
1: back with more on that one if that was interesting.
0: Final thing that I, I think is worth covering today, breaking news, Stephanie. What is it? Endgame.
1: Oh my goodness, don't worry, we're not talking about spoilers.
0: Yeah, don't worry, we're not spoiling. Well, we're talking about spoilers, but we're not talking we're about not content spoilers. Yeah. We're talking about the philosophy behind it, right? So, uh, the big news today is that, yes, uh, there was, as Chris is showing on screen right now, there uh, was a bunch of footage from Avengers Endgame, excuse me, that leaked out onto Twitter.
1: Was, did the premiere already happen, Chris? Do you know? if Is this, for, like, from the premiere somewhere? No, it's
0: definitely... I, I don't know. If Somebody's like screener yeah. footage. I know. It's, well, it's, it's definitely it's not. It's Mark screener Ruffalo, footage. isn't
1: it? He accidentally left Instagram on again. <laughs>
0: So uh, that's that's great. Yeah, uh, we were at the Thor Ragnarok premiere. We were fortunate enough to go to that, and apparently we found out after the fact that Mark Ruffalo spoiled the first twenty minutes of Thor Ragnarok before it was in theaters because he left his. It- we saw him there on the red carpet. Yeah. He was live streaming himself on Instagram. We too, we were, were also live streaming on, on
1: Instagram. We had more great. viewers actually than he did. Oh, shots uh, fired! We were number one on Instagram.
0: We were actually uh, so, uh, deserved
1: it, more than one high five. This, okay,
0: this, there we there you go. go. There. Okay. Um. yeah so traditional influ- or suck on that traditional yeah, media influencers and we
1: turned off our phones in the yeah, theater and guess what? when we, we were requested to of the movie. and Mark Ruffalo didn't he just put his phone in his pocket <laughs> and so the off. first 20 minutes of the movie you could hear everything through Mark Ruffalo's pants in the theater wow I know yeah
0: so anyway um, I don't believe that this was I'm i not 100% sure where this leak came from Uh. I did I only watched like 30 seconds of it just to see if it was true um because I've been doing a lot of research for a spoiler free um, you know, prediction theory on who, who lives and who dies in Endgame, like, that's this coming, uh, film theory that we have coming up. Uh, it's all done, it's being edited right now, but I was just curious, like, is this an actual leak or is it not? Because I was, I've been kind of, like, sorting through all the proposed leaks and this and that, There, there's a lot of garbage that circulates. It's, it's really fascinating to read about, um, but... It, it, it does seem to be real. It does seem to be, like, some guy's, like, cell phone footage that – I'm assuming he must have been in, from an internal team or something like that. Must
1: have been. Some, some rando intern who's like, my internship's ending. I'm going to burn it off. Yeah, it,
0: it, it's interesting. Uh, but it's also weird, too, because the stuff that leaked out, it, it's it, – from what I've kind of, like, read and summarized, like, it, it's big stuff, but it's also not, like – the actual things around, like, who lives and who dies and stuff. Like, it's, it's really interesting the stuff that's kind of leaked out. In and other it's words, not as bad as it could have been. It
1: does. And by not as bad as it could have been, Matthew, means it didn't spoil the theories that we have coming up in the that next means. couple of weeks. <gasps>
0: <gasps> <gasps> uh, yeah, that's great. No, but um, but it's here's, – here's my thing. 90% of the time at this point in life when I see something has leaked onto Twitter or has leaked onto Reddit, I assume that it's an inside job right like that, or that it was it's a PR inten- stunt. yeah that it yeah. was intentionally done to get people to talk to test you know something that they're unsure about or whatever right so uh, venom is a really good example again this is my conspiracy brain going but uh when th- before venom's trailer first came out right there was the like image of venom taking over uh Eddie Brock's face that leaked onto Twitter, and people are like, this is the new, the first look at Venom for this new Venom movie that's coming out. You know, it leaked out on- online, and everyone's like, yeah, that's really cool. And then fast forward a day or two, and it's like, here's the full trailer. I think it was the studio purposely seeding it out into the world to see how people would react – Are they gonna like this, you know, version of Venom? How are they responding to the design of him? And then when everyone was like, this is a cool Venom, like, I love the tongue, I love the look, they're like, great, full steam ahead with that trailer, we don't have to go back and, like, re-edit it in a mysterious way. (sighs) Like, Sonic the Hedgehog, this new Sonic the Hedgehog live-action movie, I think it's the exact same way. I think that they've been kind of, like, seeding out leaks around, you know, the design of this thing, because they know they're in really dangerous territory, and so, hey, we're not going to show his face, we're just going to show the design of his body to begin with, and see people are pro or con, like, oh, he looks too realistic, and then they're like, okay, well, we'll just, you know, before we release a full trailer, let's just change things a little bit, and then, like, leak it out again. (laughs) Oh, and people are like, that's better than the leak that went out. Um uh, 90% of the time, i that's my kind of, like, assumption, my knee-jerk reaction when this stuff comes out. Uh, this endgame stuff does seem to be legit. It—it It is interesting. Like, it, it does seem to always, when these leaks happen, it always does seem to be coming from an internal source, which also supports my theory, that, like, this is kind of like an inside job that's kind of pers- purposely being done to kind of get people talking about things. Because it's a very easy way to generate publicity. Um, I don't know, Steph. Would you... Would you want and so I've been do I've been I reading. Do I believe
1: you? I like no. Just I like not. to entertain the idea, but I I don't know. I don't think so.
0: Well, I don't it's, think so. no. I, I was going to ask the question more so of would you watch it? So it's out there. I'm sure you can find it. Would you watch it or do you not like the idea of being spoiled of that stuff in advance? Is there? Do you value knowing the stuff first and early? versus actually like experiencing it and being surprised in the theater.
1: Here's the thing, unless you're like unless you're like really deep into that community, having that like power of knowing ahead of time does I, I think it does nothing for you other than uh, kind of de- like take away from your experience during the actual movie I would not look at it I, I, I don't even have like a desire to look at it I, I don't have to like hold myself back or anything like that and I'm really excited for the movie it's not a lack of excitement I'm excited to go see it we're probably going to go see it like the day it comes out and all of that stuff I don't think um, we're
0: able to uh, I think all the tickets are sold out at this uh... point
1: we're probably going to see it within the first five or six days that it comes out, and we're going to go at 10.30 in the morning and <laughs> when no one else is there. And, you know, I think for me, it's also one of those things where if we have the option of watching, like, uh, like watching a video but watching it in really low quality or with a really bad internet connection where it's stopping every, like, five minutes or something like that and has to buffer and all that stuff, like, I would rather... Wait for the entire thing to buffer and then watch it all the way through at high quality rather than seeing it like bits and pieces at a time because I just want to enjoy it. Right, and yep. I don't want to be taken out of the immersion. Like if I if I were to watch if I were to watch the leaked footage, right, and then go to the theater, I'd be like, where's the leaked footage? Where's the leaked footage? It would take me out of the experience of just like watching the story. And I just want to watch the story.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting, too. Yeah. Uh, looking through the comments around uh you know those kind of like spoiler threads on reddit and the 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 reddit teams the the moderators of the subreddits have done a really good job like you props to them <laughs> yeah, they're doing a great job of tamping down the spoilers uh you know the russo brothers tweeted out they're like i don't think it was i don't think it was unintentionally timed here where they're like hey here's our letter that you know thanos demands your silence and stuff like that uh don't s- share spoilers um. So it's been really interesting, but uh, reading through some of the comments of people who have watched the spoilers, and they, it's very interesting how a large percentage of them will act- actually say like, "I am disappointed that I watched this." Like Aww. they will come back and be like, "You know what? I regret having watched this because oh, man, it's a I
1: fires remorse, except it's spoilers remorse.
0: Kind of <laughs> because they, you know, because it is such a huge movie." And it's such a big culmination of things. Like, this sort of thing will not exist again in our lifetime, most likely. You know, like, or maybe, like, one other time. But it's such a unique experience that... Yeah, like,
1: why ruin it for yourself or, or for other people, honestly, like...
0: Especially if you care about either these characters or the continuity or anything like that. Like, this is a huge... Huge. It's the culmination that. of, what, 21 movies? I'm, it's in, I'm
1: solidly in Twitter right now, and I'm not flipping back over to the chat in case anyone is spoiling it over there. <laughs> oh, good one. Uh,
0: but it is one of those things where, uh, you know, the the regret has set in for a lot of people. And I th- I, th- I thought that was really interesting because it was even on some of the boards where people are actively following the leaks and, the you know, whatever leaks exist or hypothetical leaks or whatever – even in those, like, super communities of people who are pouring over every, like, leaked, spilt, uh, you know, oh, this this is information from a, a French screening of the film for test audiences or whatever. Like, these are people who are actively following this subreddit for this sort of news. And then when the actual thing comes out, they're like, oh, I'm kind of disappointed I did it. And I, I think the c- cool thing about it, and I think what that shows is there's – they're the theorists, right? They're the people who want to solve the mysteries or piece together the puzzle and try to solve it, but when the actual solution comes out, it's like, oh, I like, that was actually dissatisfying. Like, what they, what they enjoyed most wasn't so much the knowledge. What they enjoyed most was the chase. Ooh. They enjoyed the puzzle Ooh. of it. And honestly, I do too, right? Like, as I was researching for this endgame theory that's coming up, you know, th- the theory ends up being all about... Uh, you know, uh, actor contracts and more more so narrative arcs and, like, hey, if I was writing this, like, what is the appropriate narrative arc to, like, end these different characters, does it make sense for them to end now or not, stuff like that. But um, what what is their function in the overall plot devices, all of that stuff. But to me, as I was reading through a lot of these spoiler, th- quote-unquote, spoiler threads, which most of them are just kind of like April Fool's jokes or stuff like, I, I wonder if I can convince a lot of people that I know what the story is. Um, to me, a lot of the excitement was looking at them and trying to analyze what's true and what isn't. Like, can I believe this source? Probably not. But, wow, this is a darn convincing version of it. Like, it, it was yeah. really fascinating for me to try and piece together that puzzle in a way that, like, you know, I, I don't know whether it's true or not. It, 95% of the time probably isn't. But it was just a really fun mental exercise to see what fooled me, what didn't, and why. Yeah. So that's – I think that's pretty fascinating. I'd, I'd be curious to know what Twitter is saying about, you know, would they look at the spoilers, have they looked at the spoilers, and don't spoil.
1: At uh, Carter and a bunch of numbers just says, the true heroes of the MCU are the Reddit moderators. <laughs> um, at Hyphen Clinton is saying, it could happen 20 years down the road with the DCEU. Maybe.
0: I don't know. Uh, Shazam was pretty good, guys. I did like Shazam a lot. Aquaman was enjoyable. They're 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 starting to figure it out. Right. DC DC's making making some moves now.
1: Uh, let's see. Hold on. Uh, Twitter Twitter doesn't have any strong opinions about this one so far. Yeah, <laughs> mostly just people talking about how the tickets are sold out.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the other thing, right? Is we did not book our tickets well enough in advance. Now we we Whoops. are we are bad bad movie goers bad movie goers. Definitely nah, okay. not going to see it the day of. We probably wouldn't be able to anyway because
1: I was going to say Oliver like yeah, uh, so we are actually really fortunate because we know most people who have little babies and they'll be like yeah I didn't go to see a movie for like three years but because it's part of our job we kind of prioritize it and so we actually still go to see a lot of movies. So I'm actually just thankful that we'll probably see it in like the first week it comes out. That's true. Um, yep. Okay. So that was that was that one. Uh, anything else to to wrap up with? The last drop?
0: The last drop? Game of Thrones. Did you like it or not?
1: Ooh, I was on the fence about it. It was not as exciting as I wanted. It was too fan servicey for me. I just wanted them to do things that... We're a little bit different than the way the episode actually went.
0: Uh, my last drop of tea when it comes to Game of Thrones, uh, since we did that film theory on it. I'm uh, still really
1: excited for the rest of the season. I love Game of Thrones. It's really, really, really awesome, and I was really looking forward to it. It just didn't quite good. Good, there for good,
0: me. good lampshading there, stuff. Yeah, Steph. there we go. Just saying. I, just saying. I appreciate you. I'm very
1: excited about it. I want to do, like, Game of Thrones-themed cooking nights, all uh-huh. sorts of stuff. Matthew can tell you I'm very into it. I was just not as excited about this episode as I was hoping to be.
0: Uh, for me, I think... The allocation, so my my summary of my feelings of Game of Thrones would be the allocation of time seemed a bit weird to me. I thought certain scenes were got a lot more time than they probably should have, and I would have liked to have spent more time with other scenes that happened during the course of it or, or with more other characters who were a part of this thing. Um, and then as far as... The other overall thought was that certain moments didn't land like certain big moments that should be huge moments for the series uh, That the series has been building up to that's had this dramatic uh, Tension that has uh, a bunch of stuff that has like big plot ramifications or characters meeting for the first time in forever and this and that a lot of those didn't land or have the weight that I felt like they should have.
1: Yeah, I wanted those to have more time.
0: Yeah, more time, and I also just
1: savor all those moments of like the people who haven't been together for like three seasons, and then suddenly they're reunited, and it's like, oh, what are they gonna say to each other? And then they say like a couple of things, and then that's it. Yeah, but, and they're not. Eh, eh. Yeah, right.
0: so so that was my takeaway of. Game of Thrones, I, I hold out hope for episode two. It. We're, yeah, not we're not spoiling we're it. Yeah, we're not spoiling it. We're not spoiling stuff, guys. Don't yeah. worry. We are uh, just talking are about spoiler, spoiler culture in general and just giving you top-line thoughts about how things are going. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that is it for today, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back with more T-Series next Tuesday for more hot and spicy tea. We'll see mm. what country will PewDiePie be banned in next. Will the internet have completely rebelled against Endgame? will uh i don't know what else will have happened in in the world at you that point in time never can
1: tell there's always more to talk about though it's actually shocking like how much how we how much always tea. have a lot of of stuff to talk about so be here next week we will have lots more to talk
0: about we will indeed ladies and gentlemen uh be careful, friends. The internet is dark and full of spoilers, so watch your step as you're consuming YouTube and social media these days. Uh, we have a uh, Bendy and the Ink Machine theory that's coming out later this week on Sunday. Yes. and a like I said, the Endgame prediction theory, spoiler-free, uh, just based purely on research and narrative analysis coming out on, hopefully, Saturday. And then uh, we'll be back for more live streaming on Thursday. So hopefully we'll see you there. All right. So in the meantime, guys, remember, that's just a spot of tea. Cheers. Cheers. We'll see you later in the week.